Welcome, everyone, to Rock and Radio. Uh, this is the beginning of a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. We've been here now for seven seasons, and of course, here to talk about your Missouri basketball Tigers, fresh off a road victory in Pittsburgh. I am your host, Sam Snelling. If you're watching us on YouTube, please take a moment at the bottom of the window here to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. It helps this channel grow a bit. Uh, with me, as always, my good friend to the right, uh, my right, uh, your right, it on the screen as well, from the plains of Indiana, Matt Harris. Sir, how are you? Uh, I'm doing better than you, and you have COVID, true. and you might be doing better than the SEC is right now <laughs> in, CCAC, in this ACC-SEC challenge. So, by the transitive property, I'm doing absolutely outstanding this evening. Uh, yeah, so I'm on the, I would say I'm on the tail end of, uh, my bout with, with COVID. Um, I definitely had a rough weekend and, uh, <laughs> and had to take yesterday off of work, uh, and Monday off already. So I've been, and that's actually one of the reasons why we pushed this pod to give myself a little bit uh, more time to recover. And then also logically, um, People that are, are, are subscribed to the feed already probably know, but uh, Brandon Kiley uh, recorded his last podcast with Nate, uh, and uh, you know Brandon is is leaving Rockham Nation, and so I kind of wanted to give that uh, that last pod a little bit more runway to just sort of bask in in the the glow of their you know the football team's ten win season, and you know did we really need to talk all that much about like South Carolina State and Loyola? I don't think so. Uh, I thought the the road game against Pitt was probably going to tell us way more about what this team is, what it could be, uh, than a couple kind of sloppyish, you know, wins over not great teams uh, at Missouri Arena. You know, games where they looked fairly listless for long stretches. They were down sixteen uh, to South Carolina State. Uh, they went up thirty-one to nine. Uh, where Loyola gave up 17-0 run, um, so it was bumpy. Uh, but then you know they 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 seemed to have uh, bounced back and uh, and and looked a lot better last night. Yeah, I I thought the level of engagement was uh, clearly better on uh, Tuesday night than it was any of the latter portion of of the week prior. Um, Anybody can also see that uh, I'm not having a normal beverage. I'm drinking uh, warm things out of a mug. I mean, you can put alcohol in warm things. I mean, too that that what potty? This is this is good. English breakfast tea. Um, even though it's not really breakfast. Well, uh, put just put a scotch in there, and you're fine. A little splash. Um, we yeah, so we are. Well, we, I was going to say we are recording this. Um, it is Wednesday night. It is night two. Uh, Missouri Open night one of the ACC-SEC Challenge. Uh, and there was, I mean, there were many games going on. Um, some probably more marquee. We have not seen the tip uh, quite yet of Duke and Arkansas, which I think many people were probably kind of earmarking that one as maybe the marquee game. Last night, Kentucky uh hosted Miami and they put the hurricane in a spin cycle. Um that was a, a 
a welcome, well, at least, you know, from the SEC's perspective, maybe not seeing a dominant Kentucky is what you want as a SEC school, but, um, but certainly, uh, you know, I think if you're looking for the, the conference to, uh, to, to help its cause, I think that would go a long way. Uh, but right now the, you know, the frontline teams tonight, Matt, are, are not doing so hot. What, what are, what are our latest updates here? Uh, with three thirty to go, uh, North Carolina is leading Tennessee 92 to 80. Uh, Florida traveled to Wake Forest. They are down nine with about 45 seconds to go in the second and half. Wake is not particularly very good this year. Wake has made like a tour of the SEC. They've played like two, I think they've played Georgia and another uh, SEC team early. They played LSU in the Shriners Classic in Charleston. And that was an overtime game that was, given the circumstances, mildly entertaining. But they are one and one against the SEC alone. They will look to go two and one tonight, uh, looking pretty good as they're up three possessions with under a minute to play. Um, the other game that has just gone final, Texas A&M goes off in the road to Virginia, only scores forty-seven points, loses by twelve. So the SEC is looking at a a bagel to start tonight, and these are. And two of these games are not inconsequential games. Um, these are Henry Coleman still out for them. Uh, I haven't been. Oh, he played. Yeah, he played. Yeah, I'm sitting in the box for right now. Yeah. Um. So, not exactly a banner start here. Um, Florida. I think the Florida result, oddly enough, is sort of surprising. That team is quietly uh, moved up in Kempom. They. We're in a tough scrap, a close loss at Virginia. It didn't go their way, and they took a close loss at Baylor. So they've taken two losses, but both inside the top 50. They beat Pitt, who we saw last night, by 15. They beat Florida State by 21. I mean, the Pitt game was a neutral court. Yeah, but just send Florida to the ACC. Just send them over there. This is, I think they're going to be their fourth ACC game that they've played. But they had moved up about... 10 or 12 spots in Kimpom. Um, they were looking like a team that was, you know, quietly creeping maybe into that top four, top five discussion to go on the road tonight and lose to Wake, the number 84 team in Kimpom, would take a little bit of wind out of their sails. Um, yeah, as again, Duke, Arkansas is going to be the marquee game of this event. That tips here shortly. Um, and then we get, uh, Virginia Tech-Auburn is probably the only other game that features a top-half team. Auburn's up 8-1 a couple of minutes there. So the late window is when the SEC needs to try and I'll save a little face because last night wasn't uh, – Tuesday night was not exactly great outside of uh, Mizzou's result for the league either. So it's it's been kind of a ballpark well, start. Texas a also had a tough week. Um, yeah, Texas A&M's had a tough week. Arkansas had a nearly tough lost to Iowa State. They did lose to Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Arkansas took some lumps last week. It, it's not been particularly great. Mississippi State, I'm looking here, they lost to number 137 Georgia Tech on the road last night. It, it's been uh, not an inspiring couple of weeks here, which if you're a Missouri fan, there's a good and a bad to that. You know, once conference play gets here, that might open up some opportunities to add some wins to the uh, column there, but you kind of like there to be some strength to hold up 
for your team sheet because there's a quad four loss there. So you'd like as many quality wins to offset it. So there are trade-offs in play already. But again, big deal tonight is can the can the league rebound and, you know, try and hopefully get a split among its top teams. Uh, yeah. But for Missouri, they love this event. They love the inaugural event. They're very happy and they're looking forward to next year, I'm sure. Yeah, so uh, I guess we, we should just hop right into Pitt. I know that we already kind of started down that road, but I think uh, as I was, you know, in my my slight COVID fog still, the uh, the discussion of us, you know, kind of starting out a little bit with the SEC Challenge, uh, ACC, ACC SEC Challenge uh, just went by the wayside. Um, but I did want to kind of get through that because I think it sets the table for uh, what was really one of the better wins uh so far in this um in this challenge uh i think you know kentucky showing up and beating the pants off miami uh, it was terrific but you know also it's a young team playing at home uh you know missouri is not a young team um you know but they're a team that historically under dennis gates had not rebounded well um and they went on the road and 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 went toe to toe with one of the better rebounding teams in in college basketball so far this year, um, you know. And some of that is probably schedule. Uh, I don't know that anybody looks at you know the interior of uh, the Pitt Panthers and and thinks that they're just you know a, a rugged group. You know, like you might say like Mississippi State or something like that. Uh, but still, being able to go and and actually win the rebounding battle. Uh, and pull out what, you know, I called it in study hall, just kind of like a normal win. Yeah. It was a very sort of just normal game. Like all season long, we've been fighting with this Missouri team uh, to just kind of be normal. And they've, you know, resisted. Uh, they've been really, really great, really, really horrible, but they've never just been normal. And for 40 minutes, they were normal. Yeah. I think that's. I think the one that we've been wanting to see is can this group come out? And I don't think they need to, you know, strafe anybody. I don't think they need to take a blowtorch some, but can they come out and execute consistently over those opening three to four minutes? They changed the starting lineup last night. Um, amongst ourselves, we had sort of talked about what a tweet to the starting lineup might look like. And sometimes all of our number crunching makes us look prescient. Um, Starting lineup looked a lot like I think we would have wanted it to, um, save for a, still a little bit too much of honor and East paired together, but really going with some more links, some more athleticism on the perimeter. Um, I thought, you know, they were clearly more patient offensively. I think sometimes when they play with pace and they play in the half court, it's they've been they haven't been quick. They've been hurrying to kind of adapt an, an old wooden aphorism there, but I thought last night they looked good in the first couple of minutes. They were generating quality looks. I thought particularly, you know, they looked engaged defensively. Were they always getting to rebounds? No. Was there some physicality? Yes, but this team has got a pretty high baseline for what its physical you know, nature is going to be on defense, but I just thought they looked engaged at both ends. Even if shots weren't dropping, even if maybe there were some whistles that weren't going their way, they were executing, they looked clean, they looked focused. And it took them some time to, I think, get a toehold and to really start 
you know, taking control of that game. But I think that was sort of heartening was the first 10 minutes. They looked like a team that, you know, we've been wanting to see, which is consistent, focus, crisp in what they were doing. I thought the staff, you know, really did what we've sort of been, you know, kind of waiting for them to do, which is they really tightened in the rotation. They were pretty clear with what they were doing. You could really see them giving long stretches of time to combos that were working. So I just thought, you know, from everybody on that bench, it was clear, it was focused, and there was, you know, a clear, crystallized idea about what they needed to do, and they executed. And it's one game, but it's nice to see that because it was also in a spot where they absolutely needed it. And so I think that's sort of the most heartening thing is to just see them do a professional job and, and get a win they absolutely had to have. Yeah, I think like when you when you look at the you know the level of win, uh, you know I don't want to overemphasize how right. good Pitt may or may not be. Um, I thought you know like and I I didn't think I mean very clear by their seeding last year. I mean Pitt was one of the better teams during ACC play, uh, you know, but they are also still like not good. Uh, analytically and so their seed was one of the last teams in and I think when you you know when you sort of project into this season uh, they look like a team that if they're on the bubble and they're probably going to be on the bubble or in and around the bubble um, if they make it in they should feel like it was a good season like I don't I don't look at that roster and think like this is a, a team that's you know absolutely going to do a ton of damage in the ACC. ACC is supposedly uh, you know down again this year, <laughs> while they're putting a whipping on the uh, you know the SEC. Yeah. Um, you know, but there is you know there is a lot going on where you think okay, like this is this is a win that even no matter what happens the rest of you know Pitt's season, it should still age well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if they end up becoming, you know, barely scraping to get into the NIT or something like that, it's still going to be a win because you did it on the road. Yeah. Uh, at that age is really well. Yeah. For quad one purposes, not even December, but we're going to throw out quads. And I'm looking at Warren Nolan here. Pitt right now is 53rd after the game last night. Ken Palm's kind of a good proxy early on for the net rankings. That's solidly a quad one win, probably like in what we would say the quad one B tier. So long as Pitt finishes higher than 75th in net, that will be a quad one win. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the important thing that you know you look at is Pitt doesn't have to go on and dominate the ACC. They just have to be a bubbleish team for that win to have some currency come March. And for Missouri, you know, the way they played and the margin they reached of, you know, seven points, you know, basically, you know, in Kim Palm's algorithm offsets the home loss to Memphis by 15. Like if you look at the expected margins, they underperformed the one against Memphis by 17.6 points or something. They overperformed this one by about 16.6. So they basically wiped out that loss. Now, the Jackson State loss is there, and they underperformed that by 20 points and took a bad L. But the big thing you want to start doing is getting results like Pitt. 
start mm-hmm. stacking quality quad one wins. You don't need to have, you know, five, six, seven quad one A wins, but you need to get five or six quad one wins. They got the first one. It replaced, you know, a, a not so great performance against Memphis. It's not a complete reset, but they can now sort of like look at the rest of non-con and go, okay, we're a little behind schedule. But if we think we're an NCAA tournament team, there are opportunities over the next month, four opportunities for us to really boost what we're going to be able to do going into conference play. So I think last night, one, from an encore perspective, you saw a team that was engaged. You saw a staff that had, I think, a clear conception of what they want. And you saw a team get a result that they absolutely needed to, in some ways, reset the table for themselves over the next month. And I think that that's heartening. Now, we'll see what they we'll see if they can put together another performance like that against Wichita State. But you know, thirty thousand foot view, they did what they needed to do. They did it with kind of some clinical efficiency. That's great to see. Yeah, you know, maybe waiting for it. Maybe they go uh, into Allen Fieldhouse and and pull Marty Simmons. Are you missing the rest? Am, 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 I, I, I know Marty. Am I the only one that knows that Marty Simmons is the the coach at Eastern Illinois who uh, we're only down three, like with two minutes to go, in in Allen Fieldhouse three forty four in Kempom, by the way. Yeah, I, I I only know Marty Simmons from the University of Evansville. I know. Him yeah, he took he took the uh, the, the the job yeah, at he, Charleston, Illinois, at the Eastern Illinois Panthers. He's making Tony Romo proud. Making Tony Romo proud. Um, believe, uh, yeah, so, I believe Jace Boonauer was there uh, before him. He was. He was there before him. The I, I was going to sort of say, you're, I've given sort of my global thoughts here. What did you just think of the result? I mean, are you are you ready to claim this team sort of cured of its ills, or do you think that they've, you know, left themselves, or is this just sort of a, a one-off performance? I'm just sort of curious how much weight you put into the result last night. I put in as much weight uh as any other game really um if they if they come out against Wichita and they look like this all right then I'm going to put more weight in it like that was kind of the turning point like you mentioned you know like some of the lineups that we had thrown out um you know and I, I would say like why why we often look prescient when we talk about this stuff is we look at a lot of the same numbers as the staff does um, you know, and I think very clearly, you know, Dennis Gates was looking for something in the early going. He was getting uh, text messages at 2 a.m. No, doesn't look at numbers. <laughs> text messages at yeah. 2 a.m. He, he, he was only, he was only worried about, uh, coach Sean East. Um, no, like, I, so I, you know, when you're, when you're trying, but I think what we try to do is we try to figure out what they're looking for. Um, and it was really hard early in the season to, to figure out exactly what they were trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I think it's at this point, it's clear that there's something wrong with John Tanji. Um, and I think not having that piece, some, somebody that we, you know, thought was going to be such an important part of the roster, um, not having him available for whatever reason, uh, has, has changed you know, the, the dynamics of the roster and change the dynamics of, of how you're going to, uh, to use everybody. Um, you know, you, you don't have a guy who's capable of getting, you know, a 
a bucket kind of on a, a, a late clock situation. You don't really have a guy that you could probably count on uh, to get you 10 or 12 points a night. Um, and how, you know, so, you know, maybe that causes Dennis to, uh, to become a little bit more of a tinker early in the season. Um, but I like it a little bit to like how Mizzou football kind of handled their first two games before the Kansas state game. Well, we're all, you know, going crazy, you know, like why isn't, why isn't Eli being more aggressive? I think he was just trying to like get some confidence in his team and, and just make sure that they understood that they could win the game. Um, and so he was being a little bit more conservative. Uh, and then I think you see that sort of like, you know, the same situation like last week with Dennis. And I feel like he, he wanted to get as many guys like into the lineup as possible to sort of get them run. And I, and it, it ended up costing them. Uh, but I think that's kind of what he was, he was trying to do and trying to accomplish, uh, you know, but then once you have your, you know, seven games of data, uh, you look at like who are our best lineups. Um, like we can, and it is one of those things like we can look at the like on off impact and like how like East and honor are playing together. I don't think, I don't think Dennis Gates will ever, like, just sit Nick Honor. Um, yeah. Like, I think Honor at this point has sort of earned as long a leash as he wants. Um, now, I, I think there should definitely be conversations about, like, how he's maybe, you know, used and utilized and, yeah, and all those kinds of things. Um, but I think, yeah, like, he's still going to be a starter. Um, you know, I know that we've sort of seen the evidence that like, you know, East and, and Ant, uh, you know, with like Tamar and, and, and guys like that are a little bit more, uh, dynamic, um, and, and the, the scoring tends to be a little bit better. Um, you know, but I, I just, I feel like, you know, and especially it kind of came down the stretch, you know, in the, uh, in the game against Pitt. Like Nick Honor is is for the most part going to make the right decisions. Yeah. Sean East, he'll also, mow down maybe. <laughs> he'll throw an overhead pass, you know, hook pass to the opposite corner that'll get that'll get you know picked off, and like it's so it's one of those things where it's like you know like it, even though I think right now Sean East is clearly playing well, uh, he, he's playing better than Nick Honor. He's playing better and really pretty much anybody on the roster yeah. uh i think you still want honor there for the decision making especially late in ball games yeah I, I think the i sort of look at it this way and i and i went back as you know i was trying to frame you know how i need to look at the data because i think the hard part for us sometimes is this stuff you know i think sometimes you know when we share it we make it sound like it's this very definitive black and white thing and the data is a tool, and I think it's meant to help you analyze decisions you make, you know, against the goals that you set and, you know, sort of the culture that you want to have and the identity of your players and all those kinds of really, you know, intangible things. And I, I think to a large extent, you know, the question that I had was, is Dennis Gates, you know, trying to do what you're saying, which is, hey, let's give everybody 
some run, let's give everybody some buy-in, let's keep everybody engaged versus, you know, were they still holding on to the concept of what they wanted this team to be if they have a guy like John Tanji? Because I think John Tanji's presence in the lineup allows you to still kind of carry forward facets of your identity from last season. The lineup they're playing now and that they played Tuesday is different in terms of what it's emphasizing in their style. You know, defensively, they do some different things in terms of ball screens, in terms of how they want to handle perimeter defense, you know, in terms of how they want to have their bigs play. Those things are in their system, but they're just getting accentuated more. You know, on offense, they play far more in five out and kind of ball screen situations. You know, they were really hammering you know, staggered double ball screens at the top of the key last night. They were running a lot of empty side, you know, Euro-style ball screens because those are things that let Sean come off and read and be able to kind of get angles to where he can, you know, cut back and kind of snake and play out of it a little bit. You know, they were able to sort of get out of those situations on empty side to pull the defense down and, you know, run angle cuts off them. Those are all things they did last year. They just weren't at the same dosage they are now. So I think in some ways, you know, what they've done is they've sort of, I think, acknowledged like, okay, this is the group we have. We've seen this is what they're doing. We already do these things. We're just going to have to put some more weight there. Now, can that identity really become something that, you know, is durable over the course of the season? I don't know. But I think I saw on Tuesday night a staff that sort of said, we're going to commit to this idea we're going to let these combos and these kind of, you know, little bits of chemistry really have some time to gel together. And we're going to call stuff out of our playbook and in our system that accentuates that. I don't think, you know, I think if people are saying, oh, man, the offense looks different. Oh, man, they're doing all this different stuff. If you pay close enough attention, they were doing this stuff last year, but last year's roster, entirely different. The strengths of that group, entirely different. So they could play more in Princeton concepts. They could play more at the elbow. They could do more stuff like that. This year it's a little different. And I think, you know, I told Matt Watkins today, how I would want them to play basketball is irrelevant. What I would want to see from them is, you know, seven, eight games in is, we're going to commit to this idea, to these concepts, and we're going to go with it. Again, Last night was one game, but if that's the first step of them committing to an identity in a direction, no matter how you feel or if it matches your preferences, that's that's good to see. It's good to see them commit and sort of, you know, you know, decide, okay, we're gonna go with this and we're gonna see what it does. So I, I think you know, we're not talking a lot about specifics of the game, we're kinda of talking global, but I think that's what I took away more from any particular than any particular like moment in the game or any particular series of actions was they found something that they think can work. They've committed to it, and they're pulling from the parts of their system that work in there. That's how you start putting together a team that over the next two months can maybe put itself in position to get a tournament bid. So I think that's 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 sort of where I'm at on it. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, to sort of, you know, piggyback on that a little bit, like, I think, you know, when you're you're looking at, like, the, the, the different ways the lineups are, um, you know, are the different ways the lineups work for example like you know when Aiden Shaw's on the floor you know we we know that he is not really going to generate his own shot he's a guy that if he's taking a shot it's right at the rim 
Um, you know, but what Aiden does defensively and on the glass um, is something that a lot of the guys in the rest of the roster can't do. So essentially, like Dennis, by by changing this uh, this starting lineup uh, and and being more athletic, um, I think is is essentially said that we're gonna we want to make sure that we kind of set the tone a little bit defensively and at the rim. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we're going to do that. Uh, and then I, you know, and then I also think like what we, what he talked about kind of leading up to the season was, you know, being a team that leads the country in three point attempts. And they're like, they're not even close to that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of times where he has, you know, two or, or three guys who will turn down open threes. Uh, if, if Sean East and, and, uh, you know, and Aiden Shaw on the, on the floor together, those are two guys that are not hunting for, for threes. Aiden like w- won't even look at the rim and Sean East really doesn't either. Uh, no. he, he will take a three point shot, but, uh, out of a ball screen. You know, right. Ball. He's, he's way more opportunistic about it yeah. as opposed to a guy who's hunting a catch and shoot. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, versus like Nick honor, you know, even like, you know, Demoy Hodge from last year, like if, if the ball hit Demoy's hands and he was in position to shoot, it was going up. Like, I think when Dennis kind of talked about that this offseason, you, you had this this image of basically a team of five Des Moines, uh, you know, where it's just like, you know, if, if, if I'm open and, and the ball hits my hands, like, I'm going to put it up. And I just, like, that's just not the case. Um, you know, they, they are looking to sort of work, you know, inside out, uh, and get, you know, get close in looks. Uh, you know, and then you, you definitely want to get that paint touch. And then if there's a kick out to the right guy, then, the, you know, they'll take advantage, but I, they're, they're certainly not firebombing. No. And I think the one thing when you plug in, when people say the offense looks more simplistic right now, I think that's fine. You know, I think if your lineups tilt more towards a physical defensive style, don't ask Aiden Shaw to be a conduit at the elbow running Princeton offense. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's not helping him. That's not helping you. You know, put him in the corner, do what they did, you know, down the stretch, even against Loyola. Run a spread ball screen, put him in the weak corner. That help over rotates. He's going to the rim. He's going to go. Mm-hmm. Or if you get baseline drive off that side, which Sean will – reject and drive baseline to pull that help def- help defense toward the baseline he's going to angle cut and look to kill someone off <laughs> at the rim you can make offense simple but effective for your guys and I think does it always work no are there stretches where it still looks rickety yeah but that's what fits that group and you know defensively they're giving this team a chance to win basketball games and, you know, it's maybe even what Dennis would want them to do, you know, completely. But it at this point, efficacy trumps style. So we're just going to roll with it. And yeah, and I think that's the important thing. I just want to keep harping on it is my concept of what I like in basketball is irrelevant. Your concept is irrelevant. What's working for this group? What's their identity? And let's evaluate them off of those principles and those baselines and based on that they did a really good job last night they did a really really great job executing within that framework 
Now let's see if that can be something that works long term. I, I think that that's the thing I'm going to keep harping on as we move through December is, is this the framework for this group? Is this what positions them best? Attention, Mizzou fans. Have you always wanted to support Mizzou's NIL initiatives? Have you also wanted to support local Columbia businesses? And have you always wanted to make fun of the Tennessee all at the same time? Well, now you can do all three of these things in one foul swoop by purchasing Rockin' Radio's first ever t-shirt, introducing the Tennessee State Champs. We collaborated with 573tees.com, a local t-shirt printing shop in downtown Como, to come up with this fun design of a t-shirt that celebrates Mizzou's four wins over all of the major Division I FBS football schools in the state of Tennessee. As you remember, Mizzou beat Middle Tennessee, Memphis, Vanderbilt, and the University of Tennessee at Knoxville to complete this quadfecta of wins. And for just $25, this t-shirt can be yours. Each purchase of a t-shirt will directly benefit both 573Ts and the wonderful owner, Mickey Merritt, as well as every true tiger, the University of Missouri NIL Collective. So get yours today at 573Ts.com slash collections slash rock dash M. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Well, what do we know about uh, Wichita State? So Missouri is off. Uh, so today is the 29th. They're off uh, until Sunday. Um, so no no football game this weekend. Um, no basketball game until Sunday. What do we know about Wichita State? They're sub-100 in Kempom, but just barely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are rebuilding all mills. Boston College, 34-15 over Vandy. Yeesh. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Duke, 17-16 right now over uh, over <laughs> the hall. They're Paul Mills, I think I haven't checked in since like the first couple weeks of the season, but he was really shorthanded out of the game. I think they only had seven or eight scholarship guys. Um, but they've, you know, managed to find a way to kind of limp and gimp through. They started the season at 141. They've moved up 35 spots. Um, you know, they're not playing a murderer's row of a schedule. It's 246 in SOS. Um, the one quality team they played entering tonight was Liberty on a neutral. And that was a 17-point loss. I believe that was also in Charleston at an, at an MTE there. Got run out of the building, but I think Liberty won that event. Um, but tonight, they go... They got Richmond, a top 100 team, in uh, in Wichita, and got a win. So that's that's not you know gonna knock people over. But Richmond's a quality team out of the A10, top 100. They got I think an eight point win tonight at home over them. So you know, Paul Mills is a good basketball coach. This roster is still a little bit piecemeal. There's some guys that we saw last year. They're still around. Um, Kenny Poto is still there. Xavier Bell, who was kind of a backup last year as their starting point guard. Um, but then they've got kind of just kind of a, a spackled together roster after that. You know, Arlen Beverly is a Miami transfer. Missouri recruited him a little bit. He's out of Michigan. He's combo guard looking to reset there. Dallin Riginal, a Juco that got sniffed by the last staff prior to this one before he committed 
to Georgia and has sort of bounced around since then. Uh, it was credited uh, to uh, Tom Crean at Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Quincy and then, Ballard. And then he went to Missouri State. Yeah. Now, and so this is his his, uh, his extra COVID year. Uh, yeah. Uh, Quincy Ballard will be known to the Missouri staff. He is a Florida State transfer uh, and is kind of providing some depth there. But they are not a particularly deep team. Um, Jacob Germany, a guy who they were really counting on, has not played a lot this year. He's only played in three games. Um, they only they rank 317th in bench minutes. This is not a deep group. Um, they are really leaning on defense early, really kind of you know playing you know no gap. In. They are 351st in turnover rate. They don't generally generate a lot of steals. They want to force tough shots, get on the glass, and, you know, then they want to push. Offensively, not very good. 175th in Kempom. Um, Paul Mills is sort of known for his offenses that he built, but uh, he doesn't have Max Hastmas. And uh, it helps. Yeah. And Connor Vanover will be on the other bench for this one. It'll be a reunion. It'll be a reunion Sunday if, uh, um, Ronnie DeGray is there and in a sweatsuit. I don't think Ronnie got a waiver. So it's just going to be a good old-fashioned family reunion. Uh, Missouri is a five-point favorite in this one. Uh, you'd like you'd like to see them maybe win by an extra possession or two just to give themselves a little extra bump. But um, not a deep team, not particularly um, potent on offense. But they can sit in some gaps and they can make make it tough for you to get good shots so we'll see what yeah uh it is it is probably a game where you know you'll want to be a little patient um you know especially in the early going as as you know defenses like that can often frustrate you um and you know paul mills is a fantastic basketball coach so i'm sure he'll come in with a you know a good game great hire there uh yeah and he's a really good fit for for that um you know, I think all the kind of basketball acumen that you get from Greg Marshall with uh, with none of the abuse. So, yeah, <laughs> at least that we know of. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about Paul Mills. Um, so, I, you know, I I think this is an important game, um, mainly because, like, I think this is uh, at least I I haven't looked. Um, Really, that the the rest of projections since they uh, since they beat Pitt, um, but prior to Pitt, this was the the last game before Central Arkansas that they were projected uh, to win. Uh, Seton Hall is a straight fifty fifty toss up right now. Is it okay? So they they got a little bit of a bump there. Um, so it's important, you know, to set, kind of keep the momentum that you you had on on Tuesday and. Um, you know, I, I will also point out that if, you know, if you want to be uh, a worrywart, um, you know, Missouri had that big comeback over Minnesota, promptly went home to lose to Jackson State, um, you know, turn around to, you know, the pit game. They played, I think, probably inarguable that it was their, their best overall performance of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh now you're coming back home to a team that uh, is, I mean, not at the level that Jackson State is, uh, but a team that you should beat. Um, 
let's hope that there isn't an emotional letdown. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that, uh, that message is also kind of circulating with them because, you know, I, I do think that, um, that this is a game that you pretty much have to win. Um, yeah. and, uh, if you want to, if you want to sort of not just keep momentum going, but if you want to expect to, you know, have any shot in the NCAA tournament, um, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't keep dropping games like this. Yeah. Uh, Richmond moves up to, they won by 12 tonight, which I'll say wins by 12. Jumps to number 93 in Gimpom. Uh, yeah, full the expectations, man. It's a, It'll help. So this is now a top 100 game. Again, kind of as a good proxy. This is solidly um, going to be a quad two game now. It had been quad three. It's now solidly kind of in, again, we need Wichita State to sort of remain steady there. But this, again, it's a solid quad two game. You need a win like this to... You know, they, the win over Minnesota would be a quad two win. This would be a quad two win. Pitt would Pitt would be a quad one win. That's, to your point, that's that's the kind of stuff that you start putting together, you know, that begins to give yourself a chance to sort of have a, you know, credible argument that what happened against Jackson State was an outlier early in the season. So we'll exactly. see, but that's... That's the hope here. So, be consistent, take care of business, and you know the the game I would look at again is that Seton Hall game because that's a technically, you know, away from your home building. The committee really, really puts a premium on going into tough road environments or going away from your building and getting quad one and two wins, quad two win at Minnesota, quad one win at Pitt. You know, holding serve at home against Wichita State for a quad two win. You know. You, you root for a good result against Kansas, but you understand you go with clear eyes there. But Seton Hall would be another quality win. You could get four quality-ish wins on the resume, and then you well, we know what happens in bragging rights. So the next couple of weeks, there's there's an opportunity here for Missouri if this is the identity that they've you know set a lot. If they can you know be consistent, you know they can sort of make the first seven games look exactly like they were, which look like growing pains but again to your point got to do it got to put two in a row got to put two good performances in a row together yep uh i think i'm kind of fading a little bit uh energy wise so do you want to wrap this up <laughs> yep let's get out of here so we can watch the rest of this duke arkansas game there you go uh all right so that's it for us we will be back uh next week um i'm not sure when we'll figure it out um moving forward i think we'll probably at some point kind of find our way back to monday nights um but uh yes make sure that you're subscribed i told you already uh like if you're on youtube all that kind of stuff that helps grow the channel um and uh and if you're subscribed you get more uh before the box score and then the mystery uh co-host uh coming forward which um, who knows who is going to join Nate on before the box score uh, in the future. We're, we're still figuring that out. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, and if you're if you're not already, go get your COVID shot, uh, get boosted. Um, try to avoid this thing. It sucks. So I'll uh, I'll talk to you next week.
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it being directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.